Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. I am Will Vandervoort. Appreciate you guys joining us today. As, uh, if you notice, LeVon is not with me right now. LeVon is uh, having some things he's got to take care of, and so he's not going to be able to make it today. But we're still going to do our show, and we appreciate you guys joining us as we get you ready for this week with Clemson as they will host uh, excuse me, Florida Atlantic uh, coming off the big win over Charleston Southern. Uh, so we'll be breaking down – we're reviewing the other game that just happened with Charles Southern, and then we'll break down the the game later on against Florida Atlantic as well. Um, a lot of stuff still to talk about. First of all, before we we get too far into the show, I want to you know, thank my sponsors, um, as always, uh, the Clemson Insider, for helping us each and every week and allowing us to use this platform to do our show. We do appreciate that. You can get us on YouTube. Um, also, you can find us on Facebook. Um, and on Twitter at Steeler Will and also at Clemson Insider. Uh, so we appreciate you guys joining us and all the different platforms you can find us. Also want to thank our sponsors at Tip It Back Sports. Uh, they've been with me for a couple years now, and so we appreciate uh, Tim Cinco and his crew over there at Tip It Back Sports and also the people that believe in Clemson and also uh, with Bet Online. And we're going to kind of get into all that. Uh, as you know, as I said earlier, our show is sponsored by the Clemson Insider, the most complete coverage of Clemson athletics and recruiting. Um, also by Tippett Pack Sports. Uh, you know, that's the place to be in Greenville for all your college football and NFL action. As a matter of fact, Tippett Pack Sports is located at 215 Pelham Road in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, if it's college football you're looking for, Tippett Pack Sports has all the biggest games from around the country on their many televisions, including Clemson, South Carolina, and all the games from the ACC and the SEC and big games around the country. Um, on Sundays, if you're looking for some NFL action, Tippetback Sports has all the Sunday games, and they are the home for your Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you're looking for a Steelers bar in the Greenville area to go to, try Tippetback Sports at 215 Pelham Road in Greenville. You won't be disappointed. Tons of Steelers fans there, and it's a big family, trust me. Um, Tippetback Sport is located at the Commons at Pelham and is open seven days a week on Mondays. They have their twisted trivia night as well as Monday night football. You can also have you can also go there for karaoke and live music on other nights, especially on Friday night where they have their live music um, with live bands from around the area. Um, every Saturday, as I mentioned, is of course college football all day, and then on Sundays are designated for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the NFL. So go see Tim Cinco and his team over at Tippetback Sports Grill, located at the Commons at Pelham. Tip it back sports grill is the place to be for all your college and NFL action this season. Also, we want to say and give a shout out to our good friends over at bet online. As you know, football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info and all the up to minute stats, news scores and matchup breakdowns. Also get the latest odds spreads and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates and statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere. 
So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to get in all the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, LeVon Kirkland will not be joining us today uh, as he's dealing with some uh, things he's got to get taken care of, and we totally understand it. So with that, I will bring in my associate over at the Clemson Insider, as you've seen his name up there, Cameron Burnett. He is the writer for the Clemson Insider, uh, also does reading analysts as well. Cameron, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Obviously, I got big shoes to fill here. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to be here and talk about Clemson football. How are you? I'm doing good, man. So you didn't uh, you didn't play linebacker at the college level or in the NFL? Uh, no, I did not. I went to school at App State and I sat in the press box same way I do here at Clemson. So I will, I will enjoy it up there <laughs> very much. So don't worry, my friend. I am, uh, I'm in the same shoes as you as, uh, <laughs> I did the exact same thing. So totally, totally understand that. We appreciate you joining us and filling in today. As I mentioned, we're going to review the Clemson Charleston Southern game at 66 to 17 Clemson victory. Also, we're going to talk about Florida Atlantic as they come to Tiger town, on uh, Saturday night for an 8 p.m. kickoff as Clemson uh, gets to host its first night game of the season. Um, Later on, we're going to have thoughts on the first uh, two weeks of the college football season. Kind of interested, even for the people out there, you can comment, leave us comments and stuff to kind of tell us what you think about the first two weeks of the college football season. It could be about Clemson. It could be about uh, anybody else. It doesn't matter. Just want to get your thoughts on what you think is uh, the first two weeks have have given us and what maybe it'll give us going forward. So we're going to kind of look into that. Uh, We'll have our pick six segment, as we always do. Last week I had a good week, and it was great, Cameron, because I was one of the few people that took Texas straight up. I didn't say just they would cover. I took them straight up to beat Alabama, even though they had that uh, that minus seven tag uh, next to them. Uh, I thought the Longhorns could go in there and get a win, and they did. So – We'll have that. And then, of course, like I said, if you could, we'll have extra points from the people watching and listening. If you want to ask me and Cameron a question about the Tigers, Cameron, as I told you, does recruiting, so he can give you some recruiting information as well. Absolutely. Uh, for your recruiting uh, gurus out there, uh, Cameron will be the guy to ask some recruiting questions to. So, uh, Cameron, first of all, man, as we uh, you know, want to kind of welcome you, your first year to the show, uh, tell me, you know, tell the, everybody out there a little bit about yourself. You mentioned earlier you went to App State. Give them a little bit of your background and, and where you come from and everything. Yeah, so I grew up in the uh, Charlotte area, about uh, 15 minutes away from UNCC, Charlotte, for people that know that school. Um, ended up going to Appalachian State. Uh, I studied electronic media, like broadcasting stuff. While I was there, I um, gained a lot of interest in sports journalism and joined the Appalachian student newspaper there. I remember I was terrified showing up, doing like, oh, God, I got to go talk to these college athletes. And they're like double my size, my little like, 18 year old self, but no, I grew to love it. Obviously um, app state football at the time when I got there, um, 2019 was the year that they went to Chapel Hill, had the block to beat the Tar Heels. Then they went down to Columbia and beat the Gamecocks in South Carolina. So I picked a good year to show up. So um, obviously apparently my luck hasn't translated so well here to Clemson early on, but hopefully we can get that rolling. But yeah, no, I just love being here and covering college football. And I think I found a good spot. For the for the record, man, it's not you, buddy. You're not the reason why Clemson uh, they lost to Duke and are off to a one and one start. Has nothing to do with you. You can't line up and uh, <laughs> throw the ball, run the ball, or 
or block or any of that. So I'm not going to put that on you. We can dream. Yeah, we can dream exactly. Um, so welcome, man. We appreciate you having you. And and, and good story as uh, as everybody knows. Uh, just for those who just may join us, Levon is not in this week. He'll be back next week. He gives his. Uh, he, he says he, he sorry he can't be here today, uh, but things happen and you know in life as we all know and he couldn't make it. So you know, cameras filling in last minute. I mean, he I called him up just a few hours ago and he was he was able to jump in. So I appreciate you doing that, buddy. No problem. Um, we're going to talk a lot of Clemson football because hey, me and you both that's what we do. And we cover the Tigers, and so we're going to talk a lot about the Tigers and um, what's transpired the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, you know, and we'll start off by looking at that Duke, uh, excuse me, that uh, Charleston Southern game. Kind of a weird game again, right? I mean, absolutely. They they won sixty six to seventeen, but at one point Clemson was trailing fourteen to seven with two minutes and thirty four seconds to go in the first quarter. Now, Cameron, I'm going to ask you your first home game in Death Valley. First time covering Clemson there. First thing I'm going to ask you is, what did you think about the Hill? First time you got to see it live and in person, what did you think? I thought it was really cool because obviously, like, you see the videos all over social media, like Dabo Sweeney and the team sprinting down the hill. Personally, I think I'd break something if I tried to do it. So um, I need a lot of practice to do it. No, I think it's awesome. Like, obviously, it's like one of the – it was on the bucket list of things, like when I'm sitting there going to college and I want to pick, like, oh, where are the places that I want to go and visit? Honestly, like, I almost went to Clemson, which was part of something that made this so interesting to me. But – Obviously, it, it was just awesome seeing all the pregame festivities. And App State is fun, don't get me wrong, but it, it's different when you come to a place like Clemson. They do the big spiel with the band. They have all that stuff line up. There's 80,000 fans in the building. And I, Death Valley is awesome, and I can't wait to be there. Obviously, we get two more back-to-back home games, so I'm going to enjoy every second while I can. Yeah, and you get a night game this week. We know, so it should be a really – uh, raucous crowd. Uh, I, w- I would imagine it's going to be packed. They're calling for it to be a sellout. And then, of course, it's going to be sold out with Florida State in a few weeks. Your thoughts on that being a noon kickoff. Now, disclaimer, we're the media, and first thing we're going to say is, I'm going to be honest with you, I love a noon kick. So I know Clemson fans out there hate it. Personally, though, for me, I like it because I'll get to see the Notre Dame-Ohio State game and, and watch it and get to enjoy it. Um, so, Cameron, for you, though, what do you think about it being a noon kickoff? Well, I like I obviously try to put myself in the shoes of a fan, and it's like, how am I supposed to tailgate? I what do I have to tailgate at seven a.m.? Like, that's going to drive somebody insane. They do it, Clemson. Like, oh, I, and I know they will, and we we saw it. Obviously, we had a two fifteen game, and they were out there early. So what when we get there? What around like ten thirty or so? And About ten thirty. Yeah, every lot was filled. So I'm assuming it'll be the same. But yeah, no, I think it's kind of crazy to think that they did it though obviously when those decisions are made it's like do people not want to turn on florida state and clemson and that's kind of interesting is we got to acc kickoff and when all that time was going around people couldn't stop talking about this game and now it's like oh yeah no it's gonna be a noon kick and while that's fun for us because we get to get there and get it all over with it's like oh is is the opinion changed a little bit around the country obviously you lose to duke and people don't want to watch Clemson. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how that looks from a national perspective. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be, now I see it from the fans perspective, uh, a night game in the Valley is more intimidating for the visiting team. I always say a noon kickoff is the advantage of the visiting team because they don't have to sit around in the hotel all day. Uh, generally the fans kind of slowly get into the stadium and they're not, all the way 
there yet and ready to go or wake, I should say, especially if the students have been partying Friday night. And you know they uh, have been. And we know they have been and they will be. Uh, so, uh, you know, that kind of leads to a little bit too. So it, it's not the atmosphere doesn't seem in some cases to be as energetic. Now, I will say this, though. When Clemson's had big games kick off at noon before, the people have showed up. The Clemson fans have showed up. They are into the game. They are loud. They try to make Clemson as intimidating as environment as possible. And I think a lot of that goes to Clemson's roots, where the reason the Tiger, for those people out there that probably don't know this, you know this now because I told you this the other day, the reason the Tiger Paul sits at 1 o'clock on the helmet is because kickoff used to be at 1 o'clock in Death Valley every Saturday. That's when Clemson played their home games before television took over and started dictating times. So – you know, so the traditional old fans that have been there for years and years, they're used to they, these day games, and they kind of bring it. They bring their energy, and they will bring their energy. Um, and so, you know, you'll see you'll see some of that. Now, I know the younger people like it a little bit, you know, as everybody does, like it at nighttime. But when Clemson has played the, you know, North Carolina States or Virginia Techs or, you know, Miami or anybody like that, I, you know, in years past at this time, Death Valley's always been a good environment. And so I don't see this one being any different, especially with this, what's at stake in this game. I think the Clemson people will show up and they won't disappoint uh, America. And by the way, I know some people out there are like, oh my gosh, what a horrible time slot to be at noon. ABC's noon kickoff is always the second highest rated view, viewed game every week. And so this is a slot that ABC likes to put its second best game on. Generally, so, but actually, this time they're putting it on. They're putting the Clemson Florida State game still as their best slot because, guys, as I mentioned earlier, Ohio State and Notre Dame are playing in South Bend. They're both going to be top ten teams uh, when that game is played next week. That is going to be the game everybody in America is watching. I think ABC and ESPN said, you know what, we got Clemson Florida State. Let's don't waste that in the time slot going up against those two. Let's move them to where everybody will watch it. Nobody else is – no other big game is on during that noon kickoff, you know, whether it's on Fox or ESPN or or, or CBS or, or, or NBC. And so, actually, Clemson, Florida State's going to have a lot of people watching it. It's going to be probably four to five million views. You know, it's going to probably be the second best viewed game that day. So, it's actually a calculated move by ESPN and ABC to put that game at noon because they want to make sure people watch it where the game they're going to have that night, I believe, is going to be Texas versus um, – oh, man, who's it going to be? It's like a – I can't remember. It's, it's, it's based oh, – Baylor. Texas against Baylor is going to be the primetime game on ABC that night. Don't, don't you think that's a sacrificial game, that they're just sacrificing that game? Yeah, no, and I think as we talked about – I remember when we were sitting in the press box on Saturday, Will, and they do the fourth quarter video when we're talking about the atmosphere mm-hmm. and the, the different game time. They do that video, and it's Brian Dawkins up there giving his big old speech. I mean, I got chills sitting there in the press box. It's like I looked over at you, and I said, dude, can you imagine in two weeks if it's a night game here when Florida State's in town, if this game's close going into the fourth quarter and that video plays, how electric that'll be? Mm-hmm. But we got a noon game. I mean, I still think – Yes, I will have goosebumps if the game is close. We're going in the fourth quarter and that video plays. But that kind of thing changes when Clemson loses 
to Duke in week one. And I'm curious, what do you think? Do you think, let's say, had Clemson been 2-0 and now, would they have been in the night slot for this game? I think they would have been because then you would have had a top 10 Clemson team against a top five Florida State team. And that would have that would have been as dramatic going into as the Ohio State Notre Dame game on the other channel. So I felt like probably ABC felt like people would want to watch that still and would still get a lot of view viewers, right? Um, but with Clemson losing to Duke, I agree with you. I think it kind of took it to where ABC looked at it and said, and by the way, television makes these decisions, not the Atlantic Coast Conference. I know people get confused with that. The Atlantic Coast Conference can make a suggestion, but it's just a suggestion. The final verdict comes from the uh, the television executives. And so I think the executives looked at it and said, you know, probably Clemson and Florida State will get more eyeballs if it's on a noon slot where it's competing against nobody else, you know. Um, and so that's what they did because I think Oregon and somebody's playing at 330, that's a big game, top 25 game. So I think it's just a matter of – I think Clemson-Florida State will be a top 25 game because I think the Tigers will – get back in the pole this week. And I'll be honest, guys, I don't know why they fell out because you replaced them with Iowa, who Clemson had a 20-point lead on going into last week in the top 25 pole. And then all of a sudden, Clemson loses. It was a 40-point lead, actually. And all of a sudden, they lose. I understand Clemson trailed 14-7 to to Charleston Southern, but then they went off to score, <laughs> what, what, what are we, 59-3 to from that point on. I think they made their point that they deserve to be a top 25 team. Uh, but hey, what do I know? You know, well, I do know some, I used to be an AP voter, so I do know some, but you know, you can't control how people think across the country. I will say this, there is a bias. Me and LaVon have talked about this, Cameron, and get your outside perspective since it's your first year covering Clemson. There is an outside bias against Clemson from the national media, not the regional media, not North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia. But when you get outside the South, you know, and I think if you look at those polls, most of those polls that didn't have Clemson in it, they're coming from California, Oregon, all that. And it's always been that way. And I think some of it has to do with Dabo Sweeney and his beliefs. I think they hold that against Clemson at times because me and you both know how some of our colleagues in the media can be. They can get a little sensitive, if you will. Yeah, obviously we're, it, that's the nature. And I think what you said, like all around the – national media. I don't think it's just the national media that has that bias against it. Obviously I'm from the North Carolina area. And like, unless you're a fan of Clemson, people just don't want to see them succeed. And I just think that's the nature of it. People want to see like a dynasty fall and that's how things go in these, in these sports. And obviously, as you said, uh, I just want to go back when you were talking about the three thirty game, it will be Oregon against Colorado. So obviously that, that would make sense that that slot lines up. That's not a bad, um, slot of three games to set up obviously with um, Florida state and Clemson and then following up with that. that's about as good as you could ask for that week. But yeah, no, I think people just don't want to give Clemson credit where it's due. Obviously you don't have a strong first week, but yeah, like we were annoyed during the first quarter of the game against Charleston Southern, but that second half Clemson team, I thought was what we all wanted to see obviously maybe five quarters earlier but we got it when we got it and hopefully it's something they can build on and isn't that supposed to be what the poll is about they built on something you saw something you're like okay well we put them barely in the top 25 and then they produced in the second half and looked like the team everybody expected them to be but no we're going to drop them instead because they made a couple of mistakes in the first quarter and that's it 
Yeah. Uh, to me, when I was a voter, I would take the whole body of work of a game into account. So if a team started off slow and then they finished strong, I would give them the benefit of the doubt there, or vice versa, if they started off strong and, and finished slow. I was always, you know, I took my time to pay attention, not just look at box scores or what happened in one moment when everybody on Twitter is like, oh my gosh, Clemson's losing to Charles Southern, and then not really follow up any again to see what actually happened. And I guarantee you that's what happened. I guarantee you some voters probably the next day, and I know this is horrible to say, but I know how some voters are because you get caught up in your work and you're doing your other stuff and you forget about what was going on. So the last memory you had was Clemson was trailing Charles to Southern and you ended up kicking Clemson out because you either thought, well, they probably won, but it probably was like 35, 17 or something. And I bet you they didn't see the score till the next day after they already turned in their poll. And they're like, ah, whoops, probably shouldn't have did that. You know, 66 to 17, you kind of got to give them their credit when that happens. So I think that was some of it as well. Some of them don't take. I was very, and you see my poll I put on the, I still do it today. I've mm-hmm. done top 25 polls since I was like eight years old. Okay. That's when I first did them and I started and I've done them ever since pretty much my entire life. Um, used to drive my ex-wife crazy because she's like, why are you doing that? Nobody, <laughs> Nobody's seeing that but you. I'm like, yeah, but I like it. I just like doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I became a voter, so it kind of worked out pretty good. Um, but I've always taken it serious. And so I will stay up all night and watch even Pac-12 after dark. I would watch the last football game when I was a voter because I wanted to make sure I was giving as much into it as I could about every team that's in the rankings that I have in my ranking. And I would change my ranking every week. So who was number one the week before? wasn't necessarily would be number one the next week. You know, I, you know, I I always played it to what was happening during that week. I took it serious, but I've learned that not everybody takes as serious as I do. And, uh, and unfortunately things like that. I mean, I've seen polls where people have forgot to put the teams in. Like they had Texas, like one year, I remember seeing Texas was 15 in some guy's poll. Texas won by a lot of points. The next week he didn't have Texas ranked. I'm like, okay, you know why he didn't have Texas ranked? Cause he forgot to put Texas in his poll. You know, I'm like, how do you mess that up? But people do, you know, and things like that happen. And I'm not saying that's what happened with Clemson in this instance, but I'm just saying probably people saw that uh, 14-7 score, and that's the last they saw the Clemson score because once Clemson started dominating, people stopped talking about it. And then they were like, oh, okay, you know, uh, Clemson must have barely won or whatever. We'll knock them out. They don't deserve to be in the rankings. So that's probably what happened if I had to guess. Yeah, well, the thing about it is if you looked any further than just the score, you'd understand that it was still a dominant Clemson performance. It's tied 14-14 after the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. But do you know what the yards were? It was like 198 to 6. It is a 192-yard gap. And the only reason Charleston Southern had any points was the Clemson offense made just brutal mistakes. But – as we said, is they can clean that up. They can be the team we want them to be. And what did they do for the next two and a half quarters? Once they got things rolling, they did just that. So I just think it's unfair to look at Clemson that way. I think the yards gap got even larger by halftime, but it mm-hmm. was, it's just, if you turn on the tape, you don't even have to turn on the tape, look at the box score. And you can understand that it was not a game that needed to force Clemson out of the top 25 whatsoever. No, no, it did not. It, I agree 100%. Speaking of the game, I'm glad you kind of brought it to our, uh, to the front there. Uh, speaking of the game, Clemson 66-17, as the score shows right there, 
600 and some odd yards, I think 79 total yards, held them to 76 total yards, I believe. Uh, you know, the first downs were ridiculous. Four first downs. <laughs> four first downs four. for Charleston Southern. I mean, it was – it's the way you're supposed to treat a FCS team. Uh, Clemson, by the way, now is 38-0 and all-time against – uh, FCS teams. Yes. So remember, we've seen teams like Michigan lose to your app state when they were mm-hmm. FCS. We've seen South Carolina lose several times to Furman and Wofford and all those in Citadel. You know, um, you've seen North Carolina lose to Furman, NC State. You've seen lose to some of the FCS uh, teams. You know, I could go on a laundry list of teams that have done that. Mm-hmm. And yet here's Clemson. And FCS started in 1978. And Clemson is 38 and 0. That's impressive because you got to have your team up every uh, time to play and to say, okay, hey, guys, you know, we're playing, you know, somebody from the FCS. That's hard for a team to get themselves up and get ready to play. You know, especially like Clemson this year coming off a loss to Duke, they're probably feeling pretty bad. I'll be honest with you, you know, and um, then you had to get yourself up. You weren't playing Florida State that week. You know, you weren't playing NC State or something. You had to get yourself up for Charleston Southern. And luckily, it was the first home game. I'm sure that helped. But still, kudos to Clemson and their players and coaches to make sure the team was ready and they went out there and did what they were supposed to, and that's dominate a weaker team. And I thought it was, uh, other than the two Klubnik turnovers, it was everything that I said they I wanted to see from them. Yeah, I definitely agree. And as you said, responding like that, um, obviously you have a little bit of a shaky start. And as we said, we saw uh, like – dejected Clemson team after that Duke game. Like we saw really Will Shipley walking out of the locker room. Like he just looked confused and frustrated. It's like he can't go out there and fix what had already happened. And I think that kind of personifies what we saw coming into this week. And then I can't imagine when the game was close at halftime against Charleston Southern, what Dabo Sweeney said in that locker room, let alone if he said anything, you might've just looked at, looked at him and walked out and that said the message on its own. I don't but, think that happened, but yeah, yeah but, but, you, but you can imagine all it took was a look and they would understand what it meant and they go out there and dominate in the second half. But yeah, I, and it's something to build on. That's what we've said a lot. And this team just needed to, as it, no different from a basketball player that sees a free throw go in and then can start making jump shots. That's what this team needed. And I think they can carry that into this week. And yeah, it's hard to look at a team like Charleston Southern and wake up for it because everybody's talking about, Oh, well, when Florida state comes to town in two weeks and, Yes, players and coaches can say they don't hear the noise, but it's hard to avoid when you look at that schedule. You see those games that are coming up. That's a hard thing to not ever have in the back of your mind, and I think Clemson did a good job of suppressing those thoughts and focusing on the game that's in front of them. Yeah, I did, and and let's start off with this. When we review this game, we look at the two turnovers. Clemson comes out right off the bat. They go 69 yards, I think, in five plays or whatever, uh, get the touchdown, up seven to nothing, boom, just like that. Everything's going good. The Valley's rocking. They're playing Tiger Rag. Everybody's happy. Defense comes out. Boom, gets a three and out. You know, offense gets the ball back, starts driving, and then the wheels fall off. Uh, Cade Klubnik, um, I don't know if he took his eyes off the ball, exactly what happened there, but he ends up, you know, bad. It, it turns out the snap was a little bit off, but he still should have caught it. Ends up dropping the snap becomes a fiasco Charles Southern recovers it it takes it all the way to the one yard line and then scores the very next play you're thinking okay okay fluke play things happen you know Clemson will be all right 
They get the ball back again. Bam! Start going down the field, moving down the field. Uh, look like they're going to go in for a score, and then. Um, and I like what Kate Clubney said here because a lot of people I've heard have blamed the offensive line on this play. And yes, the offensive line did have some problems, and they did cause the problem that happened. But Kate Clubnick admitted that he panicked. He saw something that the defense was showing that he thought, okay, this is not a good play. But he did, instead of calling timeout, which is what he probably should have done right there, knowing this play is about to get blown up, you know, he let the play happen. And when it happened, he's confused. He's rattled. He runs around like a crazy man because he's got everybody coming at him. And then he, for some reason, decides the best idea to do is just throw it towards the sideline. <laughs> the, the Charles, the Southern players, like, thanks, as he just threw it right to him, basically. And he takes it 67 yards for a touchdown. And it's 14 to 7. That's the stuff Cade Klugdick's got to stop doing. He's got to call timeout there. That's what those timeouts are for. And, yes, the offensive line gets a bad grade on that play because of the blocking and all that. But the quarterback saw before snap this play wasn't going to work. And I'm sure the coaches have told him, if you see that, just call timeout. We'll talk about it over on the sideline. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And like we talked to Klubnik yesterday and he like he almost laughed when talking about it because he he can't help but admit it. He said it's literally the worst play he's had probably his, in his whole life. His whole life. And that's, <laughs> and that's crazy. It's like he as we saw, like he rolled right and it looked like he was going to try to try to throw it away. And I, I don't know if he just short armed it, thought he had more. He was he was definitely off balance, as we said, as he was facing pressure. But there's just no reason you take a sack before you ever even think about doing that. Yes, but definitely. and I think it's just not it's really unfortunate, but thank God it happened against a team like this because it ends up not mattering by the end of the game, but you can't make those mistakes against, against FAU, let alone Florida state. And your defense is too good, man. Wes Goodwin has those boys flying around and mm -hmm. you have to take advantage of that. They only realistically only surrendered three points this game. If we're being honest, they got put on the one yard line. That was one of the touchdowns. That's not fair to them. Yeah. And then if that defense is going to play to a championship level, you cannot waste that and give and spot the other team 14 points. It's just not fair. And it's going to lose you games down the road. So it, they have to clean that up immediately. That They do. It's That's got to end, as Dabo said today in his presser. You know, um, the offense has played well for the first two weeks with the exception of five plays. And all five plays, with the exception of one, involves – I should say four of those five plays involve Kate Klubnik. And he said that, you know, they that he's got to do a better job taking care of the football. And that's going to be as the these next week, couple of weeks go here, especially Florida State next week. That's going to be the key for Clemson because you met you mentioned it. Clemson's defense is going to give them a chance to win every game, but you've got to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. You can't put your defense in bad situations where they're having to defend their one yard line. That's you can't ever do you can't do that. You know, you can't be giving the team a pick six where all of a sudden now you're you're spotting the team seven points for nothing. And like you said, they really spotted them 14 points this week. So you can't do that against good teams or you're going to lose. So Klubnik's got to learn to, like you said, eat it if it's a sack or do like I said, you recognize it pre-snap, call timeout. Call timeout, and that's what those timeouts are for. Yeah, fans may boo and they'll be mad. You wasted the timeout. But the fan doesn't know what you know. And if you're keeping the play from blowing up like that, I think they'll be happy if that play doesn't happen. So um, those those are things there. But let's take a look at the good now. That was the bad. That was the ugly. 
Now let's take a look at the good. The good was Cade finished 28 of 37 for 315 yards and four touchdowns after that. He got rolling after Mm -hmm. that. So first of all, I'm going to start my good there. What did you think of Cade Kludnick and the way he bounced back after having those two bad plays? Well, I think your headline this week is like the perfect word for it is that moxie. I think it's that stubbornness almost to a degree to go out there and respond and put out that performance. And I think my favorite thing about it, obviously Cade was played great ball in the second half, but what we got to see was Garrett Riley's tempo with him. And mm-hmm. they were able to march down the field and react. You can't tempo doesn't work when you're running the ball for two yards, as we saw, like when they played Duke, when you're not getting things rolling, but we were able to finally see it where when it starts happening, it's a snowball effect and the offense starts rolling. They march down the field. Josh Sapp, it's gets a perfect counter on a wide open touchdown. Not bad for your first career catch, by the way, is a 25 yard score. Not but at all. Yeah, I, I think it's um really good. But I think one thing I, I, I know we said you're going to get away from the bad. This isn't bad by any means. It's just one little suggestion. And you talked about it when we were um talking to Robert last week with the Clemson Insider Thursday report. Why isn't Will Shipley getting the ball more, especially in the red zone? Uh, like, no disrespect to anyone else in that running back room, but when you're getting down to where it's close, Will Shipley should be your guy down there to get get it done and make sure you score. And I just, it, and it's no, I, it's it's not like the NFL and I have fantasy football and I want to get that guy on the field because he's going to win me this week. No, he he's the guy who's going to score the touchdown. So get him on the field when it matters. Yeah, he's led the uh, led the Tigers the last two years in touchdowns, and so it's twenty five. It, yeah, 25 touchdowns. Thank you very much with the stat there. I'm with you. Get Give him the ball. That's your guy, you know. And um, I think he needs to get the ball 25 times a game, you know, if he can. Now, I know last week it, he didn't need it 25 times. I still would like to have seen him get it more than nine. Um, but I understand where they were going. They're trying to save him and, you know, keep him. Because now they better feed him 25 times against Florida State. Um, I'm going to tell you that because I think they can run the ball against Florida State. I think Florida State's linebackers are vulnerable. Um, and so I think you can do some things with Will Shipley. We'll get into that next week. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, when you get down there to the goal line, you got to get, you got to feed the guy. And he's the guy you need to feed. And I'm all about Phil Maffa. And I think he's a good story. And, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good running back himself. And we saw that with the two touchdowns. But um, I think you need to give your, you got to get your guy rolling. And Will Shipley's your guy. And right now he's just got one touchdown. That's off a of reception. I'd like to see him get a couple touchdowns this week when they play uh, Florida Atlantic. Um, some other good stuff I thought was Bo Collins. Oh, yeah. Now, you're talking about – earlier you talked about, you know, you know, making some layups, getting some baskets where you can see the ball go through the hoop, you know, uh, using a basketball analogy there. Bo Collins getting to do the things he did. Even with the 99-yard touchdown that was called back because he stepped out of bounds, him breaking those tackles, though, and still just rolling because the officials didn't call it out at the time, good for him. You know, to, to, that was positive momentum to show, hey, I can break these kind of plays and take it to the house. Nobody's going to catch me. And then later in the game, he gets a 69-yard catch and run for a touchdown. Probably slowed up a little too early because he was celebrating. Need to do better there, Bo. I don't need to tell you that. Coach Sweeney told you all of that on the sideline and then some. And uh, so, And I'm sure when they watch film, on Monday, he was reminded of it again. Um, but this still catching what seven passes, 137 yards, and a 69 yard touchdown. Uh, that's good for Clemson to see that hey, we can make big plays in the passing game. 
Am Absolutely. I right? And I yeah. and I think like it, a lot of it comes down to the recognition in the schemes. We were talking about it in the press box. You saw they're giving Bo Collins 15 yards. I don't know if you're going to say like your teams in the future are going to do that, but this team doesn't have, and it, it's just the nature of the personnel they have. They don't have a true like jump ball guy. Like mm -hmm. there's not a guy that you're going to go, okay, I don't care that they're draped all over him. I'm just going to throw it in his direction. They don't have that. So you need to get your guys in space and being able to see Bo Collins get the ball on an eight yard out route and being able to blow by him obviously walks out of bounds like like that's unfortunate but you saw glimpses of that and then on the touchdown you saw a glimpse of that you got it in space and then he can make a guy miss and i think that's what this offense needs to rely on and when we're going back and talking about Cade klubnik's mistakes it makes it a hell of a lot easier when you can just throw it to a guy short and let him do most of the work and i think that's really relieving for a quarterback to be able to have those options and have this kind of momentum for guys to do the job for him so to speak not entirely but make it a lot easier on the quarterback Absolutely. And so that's going to be big for Clemson going into this week and next week to have that momentum, that confidence that they can make plays in the passing game. Uh, by the way, the running game would have run over 300 yards too, uh, but they had that fumble, as we mentioned, that goes against the rushing stats. So I know people looked at it and said, well, they only rushed for 274. They actually ran for over 300. Um, but the, that goes against the rushing stats, even though uh, Klubnik uh, dropped the snap. Um, you know, in, in this, was it the pistol or shotgun he was in? I can't remember. It's, it was, I believe it was in the pistol, which, okay. um, I can go on a ramble for that, but I'll, I'll <laughs> save that for a later, for I'll say, I'll save that for a later day. So, <laughs> um, uh, one last thing I thought was good for Clemson the other day against Charleston Southern was the defense. As you mentioned, you knew I was adamant last week. I'm tired of hearing about this Clemson defense being great and, they're talking, you know, they're talking up this and that, that they're the greatest defense in the, in the country and this and that. And I said, I'm tired of hearing that. I want them to start showing it. I wanted them to show some energy. I wanted them to just go out and dominate somebody the way they're supposed to. And as you mentioned, the final score should have been 66 to three um, in favor of Clemson because the defense only allowed th one drive the whole game and they dominated from start to finish. And it was a good performance, held them to, uh, what was it, 76 yards, I said. And then they, um, like you said, only four first downs. They dominated third down. They were getting off the field on three and outs, it seemed like, every time. Had some sacks, you know, um, had a couple fun, forced fumbles. You know, they did things you wanted to do on defense, had the interception, they returned for a touchdown. That was the only true turnover of the game. But they were flying around in the football. They are playing team defense, and there's a lot of energy um, I thought that was a good sign, too, for the defense after a game against Duke when I think they kind of quit in that fourth quarter against the Blue Devils. You know, I, I definitely agree. And it's like playing for playing through those four quarters is really important. And it didn't matter who was on the field for Clemson this week. There was that edge they played with, which, mm -hmm. I, as we said, was missed the week before. So it was important to see them go out there and play play with some stubbornness and show who they can be. And What's what's fun is obviously coming into this year, everybody knew how good the veterans returning on this team were. You've got the Tyler Davises of the world, the Rooks, the Xavier Thomases. You've got Trotter and Carter as your linebackers. Your entire secondary is upperclassmen. But man, can we talk about those freshmen up front? We that Clemson sure, fans finally got to it. see them. Finally got to see them in person. And Peter Woods is 
he, he's mean. Like, like, like he, he takes a ball carry and throws him to the ground. And, and today it was really funny. Will, Will Shipley got asked about it. And you, you know how confident and competitive of a guy he is. He had to laugh when admitting that he's been on the receiving end of that a couple times <laughs> in fall camp getting tossed out by Peter Woods. And I don't think he wants to see, see it going against him, but he loves seeing it on the other side. And TJ Parker, I don't know how you don't give that guy starting reps. And that's, I think he's going to, it's it's tough because I mean, Justin Maskell played a good game Saturday, but TJ Parker was your guy out there. And I, I, he had three tackles for loss and I think he needs to be your starter across from Xavier Thomas, or at least find ways to get all those guys on the field. Cause I think Wes Goodwin can do that. He's got the mind to work around what he can on the field, but you've got an embarrassment of riches on the defensive line. Use it. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of Peter Woods, I love the story he told today where he was asked about when he was in the eighth grade, he came out there and kind of plowed through a guy at practice. And then P- Peter says to the reporter, he says, well, did coach tell you the whole story there? And he says, no, what do you mean? Cause he, he was in eighth grade. He got moved up to varsity. Well, the day he got moved up was they were going through walkthroughs. It's, <laughs> <laughs> he got, he didn't know that he was playing he thought they were playing live tackle football and so he just plows through a pulling guard grabs the running back and does the the patented throw that he grabs them and just throws them to the ground and uh his coach looked up and says what the blankety blank are you doing get over here <laughs> he says so my first day of practice first play of practice he gets ripped by the head coach he says but uh so that's a great story to show you what kind of energy he has and enthusiasm he has for the game and a great first story when you're playing big time big boy football right i mm-hmm. thought that was one of my favorite stories of the day and no it's great to see him out there um you know we saw uh khalil barnes um, you know, getting his first start and doing doing well. And, you know, um, you know, uh, let's see. Let's. I, I mean, first of all, he's not a freshman, but Jaden Lucas, wow. Oh, my goodness. Somebody, somebody laying the wood. If you haven't seen my story yet, go on the Clemson Insider and look at my story about Jaden Wood laying the wood for the Clemson defense. Um, he, he loves – he did this in practice too, like that mm-hmm. same thing you said you that saw. yesterday. Yeah, same thing you saw the other day. He laid it He laid it during a scrimmage, the first scrimmage Clemson had this year. So, you know, there's a lot of guys to be excited about on that defensive side of the football, um, you know, and, and I think it's just the beginning. I think this defense has that potential that they've been talking about. I just want them to continue to show it, and we're going to get into it. I think that's a perfect way to flow into what we're going to talk about next, and that is preview Florida Atlantic at Clemson, 8 p.m. start on ACC Network. First night game in the Valley. Um, need to ask you, buddy, you looking forward to a, a night game in the Valley and what it's going to be like? Oh, absolutely. As you know, me being a uh, mountain guy, it gets a little bit too hot around those news games that, in, that, uh, <laughs> in that wide open press box. I start sweating a little bit too much. Not not because of what's going on on the field, just it's too hot. <laughs> so hopefully it stays that way. It's not the field product. But, yeah, no, I'm excited for it. Um, I think the atmosphere of a night game, you can't beat it in college football. I'm excited to – go out there obviously you, you get the lights turned on literally uh, this time so um as and like we saw it in a road game at duke even though the result wasn't what you wanted you even got to see the clemson fans in abundance on on a road game i can't imagine what eighty thousand in death valley for a night game is going to be like but um i am counting down the days and hours until we get there that night yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, uh, I always look forward to that first night game in the Valley. I always had the fortunate pleasure of being at the very first night game in Clemson in Death Valley. 
And uh, that's when they hosted Florida State uh, back in 1992. I was a student uh, over at Anderson, came over, got some tickets from my friend, um, and was sitting on the hill. And uh, I still remember Charlie Ward's eyes. If people out there, if you guys remember it uh, out there, maybe on the Facebook crowd and the YouTube crowd, if you remember, Charlie Ward's eyes were like this when he came out during TV timeout. I kid you not. They were, he was just looking around like – and this is a guy who played at Ohio State. He played against Michigan, you know. But this is the first time he started as a quarterback in a big-time environment. And after the game, they asked him about, you know, was he was he kind of in awe of it? He said he'd never seen that much orange in his entire life, <laughs> you know, as it was in the Clemson people. And he said it was the loudest stadium he ever played in. And it was just – and remember, I just said he just played at Ohio State and all that. And he said Death Valley was the loudest he played in. And um, so that was a great game. It, it was fun. I remember it like yesterday. And – uh, Clemson unfortunately lost that game in the last minute. Charlie Ward do what Charlie Ward thinks he does. Up until Deshaun Watson, Charlie Ward was the best quarterback I ever see play in Death Valley in person. Um, and then of course Deshaun Watson came along, and you know he's pretty good uh, also. Uh, and so, um, but uh, yeah, so that was a uh, that was a great game to remember, and that's what I always think about is that first game. Every time that first night game comes to Death Valley to start a season, and so I'm looking forward to it as well, and and I'm looking forward to see what Clemson team will look like this week. Dabo Sweeney talked about last week they wanted to get better in the red zone and wanted to be dominant on defense. You saw them do both those things. Um, seven for eight and red zone chances. Technically, we're seven for seven, if you want to say, because the last one was at the end of the game, and you know they're not trying to score there. Um, you know, so technically, you want to say seven for seven, or unofficially, I should say, seven for seven in the red zone. And so they improved there. Defense was dominant. They wanted to see that. Now this week, Dabo wants to see him take care of the football. No more, no stupid turnovers. Let's take care of the ball. And his goal is let's either win the turnover margin or make it even. He brought out a stat today, eight of the last nine games Clemson has played, they've lost the turnover battle. That is amazing. That, that goes back into last year. So, I mean, eight of the last nine games they've lost the turnover battle. That will lose you a lot of football games, especially when you start playing the Florida States of the world. Absolutely. And I think a, a large portion of that comes with, as we've seen, you can't have slow starts. Slow mm -hmm. starts lead to that desperation. And when that desperation comes, you get those turnovers. And I think that's the biggest thing for them. Obviously, there's all that focus on taking care of the football. You can do all those drills with making sure you don't fumble the ball. You can have people take all those little things and try to punch the ball out. You can prepare as much as you can. But I think it comes down to what you do as a whole with the offense to make sure those situations aren't presented. Because if you get off to that good start and you have that defense behind you, you can take care of the ball and not mm -hmm. have to force anything because th those turnovers came from forcing things. Obviously you have the interception where he's taking a risk and that fumble came on a fourth down where Clemson was kind of trying to move the needle a little bit and say, okay, well we can go out there and we're in our own territory. We're going to go for it on fourth down and prove that we can do this. And that nervousness in that moment came back to bite them. I think it's important that they don't sleepwalk into this game and don't for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with you uh, as well. And so that's kind of a couple of things I'm with Dabo. I want to kind of see that this week as well. I also want to see the offense um, get more into a rhythm um, as far as, as we mentioned, not turning the ball over, that would help a lot. But getting to a rhythm where they're running and passing at a good click 
and that there's a mixture where it's really kind of hard to kind of figure out what this team is going to be, right? And I think for a defense, that's the hardest thing. Like, what's the team's identity? Well, if they're good at running and they're good at passing, as we've seen at times, they can be the last two weeks, you know, that makes it difficult for a defense. And I think that's what Gary Riley's offenses are, is they're balanced. And so, you know, I really want to see them click offensively for 60 minutes without any hiccups um, and get that confidence for next week's game. I think it's extremely important for them to play nearly flawless football offensively before they play Florida State because, I mean, it's no-brainer. Duke was a good football team. Florida State's a great football team, and they're going to have to play almost flawless football, and they need that confidence this week to get them ready for that game. Mm-hmm. And, and as we said, like that level of competition – you could make you could make no mistakes and they can still force turnovers on you and i think mm-hmm. that's the reality of when you play a team of that caliber is regardless of how perfect you play there's going to be back and forth moments and you have to be able to prepare for that and you have to be on your best and i think that's a large part that comes with that and for them i i just think it starts this week and if they don't go out there and put together a perfect performance like you said it's going to impact them into the future and one thing i want to see more of going back on when you talked about oh mixing in that run and run and pass it's a good friend of mine had said he's a dog guy i'm a dog guy as well we don't uh, we might not deserve dogs but we deserve the first down pass and mm-hmm. i think i want to see more of that this week just letting that tempo work because as we said if garrett rally wants to get up there and get moving you've got to gain yards early in these downs. So you don't have to be working to get those 10 yards every single time. And if they can do that, let's say you get those, as we talk about that eight yard out route to Bo Collins, if he catches that, even if he gets tackled, then you've got two plays to give it to Will Shipley and really start getting physical against whatever opponent you have every week. Yeah. And you mentioned that tempo, that tempo is going to be huge um, the next couple of weeks, but especially against Florida state there, as good as Florida state is with their starters. And they are. Florida mm-hmm. State doesn't have the depth Clemson has. And where Clemson can get Florida State is you can wear out that Florida State defensive front. They can wear them out. Florida State does not have that depth yet to, to go where the tempo is getting them. So Florida State's goal is going to be want to get off the field fast so they don't have to really dig into their depth so they can just keep their starters out there and so get off the field as fast as they can. If Clemson gets his tempo going and they're running 89 plays like they've done the last two weeks, they could wear down that Florida State defense. Um, and so that's going to be very important in that game, especially playing at high noon in Death Valley. Um, it, it's going to be different. And so it, we'll talk about that next week, but that's something to think about. Um, we want to you want to get real fast here. We're going to look at Clemson's defense. They're going against Tom Herman, um, the former Texas coach. Uh, Casey Thompson is his quarterback. He brought with him uh, from over in Texas to Florida Atlantic. Uh, so far, Thompson is uh, 43 of 67 for 460 yards, five touchdowns. As you mentioned before we when we were doing the show prep, you said, hey, but those five touchdowns came in week one because he didn't have a touchdown pass when he played the Ohio Bobcats, the Bart Boatwright Ohio, <laughs> Ohio Bobcats, who uh, got a 14-10 to 10 victory on Florida Atlantic last week down in Miami, if I'm not mistaken. So, um I, I, what kind of team are we going to see out of Florida Atlantic, you think? Yeah, well, I think 
it's honestly worse for Clemson that they just suffered a loss to a Maction team. And as you said, shout out Bart. Obviously, we saw him pretty excited mm-hmm. watching that game. But yeah, no, I think Florida Atlantic will play with a chip on their shoulder. And you've got a proven coach in Tom Herman. He's He's gone against, I don't know if he's played against Clemson during his career, but he's played against some of the best. And I think he knows how to prepare a team for a moment like this. And I don't think the talent gap, whatever you'll see on the field, can change that. And I think Clemson has to come out and play their best. And it's, I think it's a good tune-up game. Obviously, you, right as we get into conference play, I think it's important to have games where you know the talent that Casey Thompson has, and he had 280 yards and five touchdowns in week one, albeit against a weaker opponent. You know what he can do, and you know what that offense can bring. But this Clemson defense has the talent to go out there and shut anybody out. And I, I mean that. And mm-hmm. I, I think they just need to go out there and do it. As you said, can't be the talk anymore. Put it on the field. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting because, as you mentioned, Casey Thompson, he is a power five quarterback. He quarterback at Texas, and, um, you know, he's a guy that can get it done. Um, if he gets in a rhythm, he could be cause some trouble to Clemson. Now, I do like Clemson's secondary, but this will be a good test for him. You know, I thought Clemson – and, look, I want to go ahead – some people a disnomer uh, from the Duke game. I've heard the national media talk about Clemson. They didn't get any sacks against Duke, which they didn't. But then they were talking about like Clemson didn't get any pressure on Duke. And I'm like, that's no. Clemson got tons of pressure on him. Nine of his incompletions were throwaways, which means you're getting pressure to the quarterback if you th- he's throwing the ball away. That is a negative play. That's considered a negative play and a win for the defense. So today Clemson can't get pressure on the quarterback or the secondary hasn't been tested yet. I thought the te- secondary is tested pretty good against Duke. I thought they did well and handled themselves well. I thought Clemson did pressure the quarterback in that game. Just Duke was getting that ball out fast, and then when he didn't, he's a smart quarterback. Leonard Riley is, and he uh, Riley Leonard is. Excuse me. He's a smart quarterback, and he knew how to throw the ball away so he can go to the next play, which is what you're supposed to do. You hope Cape Klubnik learns a thing or two from him uh, about what you're supposed to do when you're pressured. Um, but Clemson's defense, I thought, for three quarters in that game, played very well. We've talked about that. Me and you have before. And uh, they just kind of, they just kind of rolled over in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, that was sad to see, but it is what it is in that game. But um, this is going to be an interesting little matchup, and we'll get a little test of what Clemson can do against a pretty good quarterback, because the guy they see the week after that is going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback mm-hmm. who's right now on fire um, in Jordan Travis. So this is a good primer, as you said. Um, now I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and we talked about Clemson and Clemson can be a little bit in this conversation, but I really kind of want to like talk about the, what we've seen the first two weeks of college football. Mm-hmm. We've had the fortunate pleasure to get to watch a lot of it, you know, with cause Clemson played on a Monday night and then they played that two o'clock game. So we got a lot to a lot of night games. Uh, Cameron, just your thoughts the first two weeks of college football. Yeah, I think it's been really fun. And obviously I know we're going to jump into it. So I'm going to skip the pleasantries and jump right in. The talk of the town is Colorado, and rightfully so. Obviously, you know I'm a Cowboys guy, so I will be a little bit biased in favor of Deion Sanders and what he's doing over there. But I think it's really awesome to see a program like that. That what, Was it one win last year, if I'm not mistaken? One in 11, that's correct. Yeah, and, and then they turn around and have something like that. And I think that's great for the world of college football. And like relating over to like college basketball, so to say, like the, the critics of – college sports especially is they say there's no parody it's like oh you, you go to the nfl different people win every week every year but when you go to college oh you've got your alabamas your clemson's your ohio states and they just keep winning 
and nobody else competes. And I think that's what we've gotten to see. Obviously, we're only two weeks in, but we've seen a lot of teams come out there and put on strong performances and prove that it's not just the high horses that dominate anymore. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, without a doubt, I think is a is probably the number one topic. Um, we watched that TCU game. What a game that was. Um, I mean, probably it's going to be one of the best games of the whole season. It was the first game of the season, you know. Um, and then, you know, what they did last week, Nebraska, I thought was a very good statement win to just go say, okay, we can show you that we don't have to play a ranked opponent to be up in the play. We're going to go play a, a, a Nebraska team that has a name, name recognition, in Nebraska. Now they haven't been Nebraska that we know Nebraska to be traditionally in college football, but still it still is Nebraska. And they've embarrassed Nebraska last week. They really did. So you give Coach Prime and his team and staff the credit there for getting a good win, not having a hangover, if you will. And now it'll be interesting if the hangover carries over to this week against Colorado State. We'll talk about that a little bit in our pick six. Another team, though, that I don't think is getting talked about enough is Notre Dame. I, I've watched Notre Dame now for three weeks, and every week they impress me more and more. And, you know, they got a quarterback in Sam Hartman who reminds me of Joe Montana. I hate to say it, but that's who he reminds me of, the way he plays. I know that and hurt you. That does hurt. And, uh, you know, and then that offensive line is just massive. Clemson saw it first and foremost last year. They just, you know, pushed Clemson around like a bunch of ragdolls, which nobody ever does to Clemson. They made that defensive line that Clemson has look like it was a bunch of Barbie dolls. I mean, they were just pushing them around so much. And then, um, and then you know, then they, they're really good in the secondary. They got great linebackers. They got a running game that is unbelievable, you know, and their defensive front is as good as anybody's in the country. They are the most complete team that I've seen to this point, and nobody's talking about them. But I think Notre Dame and what Marcus Freeman has up there I think they got a chance to be really, really special. And we're talking about Clemson, Florida State. Clemson, Notre Dame in about four or five weeks is going to be pretty darn good too. And obviously, like, let's say if Clemson can get things rolling, let's say, obviously, hypothetically, they're able to win a game in Death Valley against Florida State. That game goes from a nine to like a, a nine or a ten to like a 500, mm-hmm. the, the stakes of that game and w- what that'll mean. And, yeah, I mean – I just don't get how like we talk about who's going to be Heisman candidates like your Jordan Travis is obviously we talk about Colorado with um, Shadur Sanders and like Travis Hunter. Why is Sam Hartman not drawing any of that kind of attention? Because we saw it at Wake Forest and he was throwing the guys like A.T. Perry and Michael Mayer. And we're very thankful that we don't have to watch that anymore. <laughs> but it's not like that's changed at Notre Dame. And he's got a supporting cast there that is unreal. And I think it's I don't know how you're going to be able to stop them because of the kind of talent this Hartman has. And, and it, it goes beyond just talking about the college football level. When you're talking about guys going to the NFL next season, everybody's like, oh, you're Caleb Williams. Where's the Sam Hartman talk? And where's that Notre Dame talk? Because that's a team up there that people just kind of go, oh, well, every year Notre Dame gets all this hype and then they don't deliver. That's I don't think that's the case when you're talking about Sam Hartman and Mark, Marcus Freeman up there in South Bend. Yeah, they're a very good football team, and uh, they're going to beat a lot of people. I think when they beat Ohio State next week, and they will, um, because they're going to get physical with the Ohio State, and they will beat them. I'm telling you that right now. And uh, I think when that happens, that's when everybody's going to open their eyes and say, oh, maybe we're not paying attention to the team we're supposed to be paying attention to. Um, And then uh, one other team that's just 
nobody knows anything about. And it's crazy because, you know, they've won 19 straight games and they're two-time defending national champions. But uh, that'll be the number one ranked team in the country. We hear nothing about. Now, granted, the first couple of weeks, they didn't really play anybody. So nobody really wanted to talk about them. This week, they play the Gamecocks. So they still don't play anybody. But, you know, they, you know, I, I know I said it, but I've watched <laughs> that first game from North Carolina and South Carolina struggled against Furman. They were down 14-7 uh, late in the second quarter against Furman. They had to tie it up. So, you know, I'm not – you know, it's not like Clemson where Clemson was just, you know, messed around with two turnovers that made Charles Southern look good. I mean, it was like South Carolina was in danger there in that second quarter for a little while because uh, Furman was doing some things to him. That's Furman did to Clemson last year here. Furman's a good little football team, by the way, in case people didn't know. But South Carolina gave up nine sacks against North Carolina. They played Georgia this week, and we're going to talk about that later. But I want to go say Georgia, nobody's talking about Georgia. And I don't know if there – is there anybody in the SEC that can beat them? Well, Will, it's like the last two years, it's literally been like Georgia and Kirby Smart is the Thanos of -hmm. college football. They are inevitable. So no matter if you want to talk about them or not, when we get to December and they're undefeated and they're number one in the country and we're like – Oh well, here we go again. And I and as we talked about it, that that feels like the path that they're on. And seeing Alabama lose kind of plays into that as well. Is like, oh well, you think Nick Saban and Alabama can go and beat them? They just lost to Texas, so it's like, can you trust them to go handle business against them? I don't think you can, and I just don't see a team in the SEC that can go to Georgia and take them down. I just don't see a situation where that's possible with the talent at every single position. I could start na- naming names, but I'd run out of time. Uh, no, you're exactly right. You would. And we don't have enough time to do it because we're getting close here. And, you know, and I also got to mention, because you just mentioned Texas beating Alabama. Uh, let's get credit there. I mean, the Longhorns, finally, they look legit. We've been waiting, right? See, we're still all kind of like iffy with Southern Cal, right? We're still iffy with Miami, because, you know, we, we hear it every year. The U is back. But we're like, oh, are they really? Is Texas A&M really that good? We don't know. Jimbo's, you know. And then we look at Southern Cal. And I'm like, yeah, but your defense still sucks. You gave up 400-something yards to San Jose State. You know, I mean, come on. How good are you? But I think we got our answer with Texas because they went into Birmingham where you don't win. I mean, Tuscaloosa, excuse me, where you don't win. And they beat the crap out of Alabama. First time Nick Saban in his career during the regular season, um, lost a home game by two scores. Yeah, that that's insane just to think about. Uh, and people are starting to wonder, like, uh, can when was the last time that people started to doubt Alabama? I think we've, like, reached that point right now. Regardless of if they don't, they don't win. A, <laughs> exactly. Even if they don't win a national title you and they might lose in the college football playoff, as we've seen recently, you don't doubt them. But I think – Kirby Smart has a officially has a dynasty. Like it, it, there's there's no reason to be dancing it around, uh, dancing around it any longer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to see the landscape of college football right now, where people are talking about conference realignment and all that stuff. And it seems like Georgia's just like holding their trophies above everybody else and doesn't really care about anything going on. And that's the way it seems. You're right about that. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of the landscape of college football. Now we're going to go to our sixth segment. Um, as we pick the six games uh, this week uh, that uh, go with the spread, against the spread, however you want to say it. Uh, so we'll start off real fast. LSU at Mississippi State, 
Um, and by the way, we didn't mention it. And the thing, another thing, college football is uh, SEC's down this year. Yeah, the the ACC has what a three one advantage in the four meetings they've met. The only one that ACC lost was a game that really wasn't. Everybody knew Tennessee was going to win it. There, Virginia was a three score underdog. Like we knew Tennessee was going to win that game. So the ones that were head to head, like up in the air, the ACC won all three of them. And so, uh, so speaking of that, LSU. At Mississippi State, LSU is uh, Mississippi State. Excuse me, is getting nine and a half points here. Um, what do you think about the Bayou t- uh, Bengals going to Mississippi State and the Cowbells there? Well, I'll tell you what. I think if LSU was undefeated right now, I would I would probably say that Mississippi State can kind of take some of that edge and be able to take that down. But I think LSU right now has is forced to play with a chip on their shoulder. I remember we when we were watching that. Florida State LSU game we were amazed by what we saw almost to a degree on the field and hearing Brian Kelly's remarks after the game I'm not the team that we thought we thought we were I was like oh I mean you didn't even dance around it just just called it what it was so I think LSU has to play pissed off and I I think they're going to cover and I think they get things rolling I don't know and as we said I don't think they can win the SEC but I I think they can handle business this week I think LSU is going to win the game because I think they got the better team overall um, better players, but they're going to Startville. Mississippi State, that's a tough place to play. It's loud. The Cowbills bells are annoying. Um, you know, I've seen good teams go in there and lose, you know. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go again. I'm going to go Mississippi State minus the nine and a half. I think uh, they, they'll cover. LSU will win the game, but I think Mississippi State's going to cover that nine and a half. So give me the Bulldogs minus the nine and a half. Uh, we got South Carolina Gamecocks at Georgia Bulldogs. This is a game every Clemson fan just would like to see the stadium open up and swallow both. Um, let's just be honest, call it what it is. You know, Clemson hates both these schools. Um, but somebody's got to win. And if I had to bet, Clemson fans are not pulling for the Gamecocks. So they're going to suck it up and pull for the Bulldogs like they did North Carolina a few weeks ago. Uh Georgia is getting – excuse me, South Carolina is getting 27.5 points in this game. It's in Athens. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, I think it's going to be ugly, but I feel like that's what a lot of teams say, regardless of who you are when you go to Athens in the last few years. That's kind of what you get. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like they could score a touchdown. Is, is that an evil thing to say? Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel I feel like they could get something going. I don't know. 27 and a half is a lot of points, Will. Uh, when well, George only gives up a touchdown a game. So I know, not? I know, I know. So, but no, I mean, I, I, okay, fine. Uh, I'll, I'll admit it. I, I do think Georgia covers this one. I, th- I think it's yeah. bold. But as we've said, where people don't talk about Georgia all the time, and guess what? They keep on doing, running people through the dirt. So yep. that's what they're going to do this week. I know some people are concerned because this is the first real game Georgia's played this year. And South Carolina has been battle tested against North Carolina. But did you watch the North Carolina game? Because, North Carolina's defensive front is not Georgia's. Mm-mm. And Nobody's I look, is. First of all, Shane Beamer, I think, is a good coach. I think Shane Beamer does as good a job as anybody of getting his team better from week to week. We see that both seasons he's been the head coach and what he's done. And I'm sure they're going to be better in week three than they were in week one. But still, that's if this was week 10, I would like South Carolina's chances a whole lot better than week three. Going to Athens – Against that defense, your offensive line has major issues. Your defensive front 
it looks like there's a hole in the dam that they just can't stop the run against a good power team. North Carolina ran all over them. You know, people forget that. I mean, North Carolina just physically dominated the lines of scrimmage in that game. And that was North Carolina, who's not known for dominating lines of scrimmage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, South Carolina, I'm sorry. You're not there yet. You're not going to, you may get better as the season goes on, but you're not there yet. I think Spencer Rattler, let's hope and pray that he can survive this game um, because he's going to be running for his life. I like Georgia. Give me the 27 and a half points, uh, minus 27 and a half for the Bulldogs. I think that, I think they're going to uh, definitely cover on this one. Yeah, and I, I think um, or I talk about plus the twenty seven and a half. Yeah, no, minus about, the twenty seven and a half. Yeah. yeah, talking about saying uh, he's going to survive. I think it's going to look eerily similar to the way Daniel Jones looked Sunday night when he was taking on my Cowboys. So that's my that's my comparison right there yeah, for what it's going to look like when Spencer Rattler's dealing with him. I knew I was waiting for you to slide that Dallas Cowboys score. I mean, do, do you see how he's got it framed, folks? He's hiding yeah. my <laughs> Steeler wheels over here, hiding my Cowboys shirt. I get it. I get hey, it. we're not going to talk about what happened in NFL just yet. <laughs> um, it, it, <laughs> anyway, Take that our, for a win. our next game is a rare matchup. Um, and I was kind of surprised to see this on the docket. But uh, a 3.30 kickoff on ESPN, the Big Ten's Minnesota Golden Gophers, 2-0, coming to Chapel Hill to face number 20, North Carolina, uh, 3.30 kickoff. The Tar Heels are a 7.5-point favorite. What do you think about this one? This is Big Ten versus ACC. ACC's got a chance to make some noise here. Dude, one thing I want to say before I get directly into this game, I know it's hard to kind of set these things up with all your realignment stuff and whatever, but basketball does those like conference challenges. Why is that not a thing in football? I think it's going to be in the future. And, and, and it should be. And I think this game should be a perfect, I think there's going to be a really, really good game. And looking back to last week, we want to talk about battle tested. North Carolina had to go to war with my Mountaineers at state. <laughs> they had to go to war. Obviously, I was not very happy with the final result, but no, and I think that is a good thing for North Carolina moving forward. I think that team knows what it takes to win, uh, albeit they they play in a conference where they're not really known for being the dominant one. They know how to win and they can compete for an ACC title. And yeah. I think they get that started, but I do, I don't think they cover. I do think Minnesota keeps this close. I think it's probably a, is it seven and a half if I'm seven correct? Seven and a half. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I actually do think that they get, they get robbed of the cover and it's a seven point game. That'll be uh, my guess. All right. I'm going the other way. I think North Carolina does cover because I think North Carolina has speed that Minnesota just doesn't see being in the big 10. I'm just going to be honest. Um, you know, um, uh, that's that's something when a when a team from the P- Big Ten comes south to play, and they play a team who's ranked in the top twenty. That's got a pro style quarterback in Drake May. It's got wide receivers. You know, even though their best receivers not on the field, North Carolina's still pretty darn productive at wide receiver. Um, yeah, Minnesota's going to be physical. There's no doubt they're going to bring that running game in. They're going to try to do some things, but North Carolina can run the football too, and so. And they got, but they got speed everywhere. And I just think speed kills. And I think, I think the Tar Heels win this game maybe by 10 points or so. I think it'll be a tight game, but they get a late backdoor cover to get that plus seven and a half. So I'm going to go with the Tar Heels on the plus seven and a half. All right. Next, we got on the docket. And I can't believe this, this one. This one is when, when we saw this one, I said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to definitely call this one out. Number 11, Tennessee is going on the road to play. One and one Florida, 
who hasn't looked good at all in either one of their two games so far. And Tennessee is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Cameron, come on. What this is this is this just a gift the Vegas has given us or just giving us this gift? Yeah, I I don't get it. Uh, like, did we not pay any attention to the Volunteers for like not even just two games, but for the last year or so and the trend that team's going? I mean, on? I know they're going to the swamp, but Florida's not good. Yeah, no, I, like, like, yeah, it's just not fair to because really, obviously, oh, I hit my mic. Um, when we when we talk about betting odds. Like you think that home team gets three points normally, like that's. But obviously, when you're talking about a place like the swamp, no, that that doesn't make it where a two touchdown game turns into a six point game. It just doesn't. Right. And I and I think Tennessee goes out there and sends another message to the rest of the SEC this week. Uh, I think you're right. Give me the Volunteers plus a six and a half. There's a trend going on here. If you notice my picks here. Um, I have gone with last week. I think I went with the underdogs for most of the picks this week. I'm going with the favorites. So give me the volunteers six and a half. I think they go down there. Joe Milton, that offense, those receivers, you know, I know they didn't look sharp last week, but the reason they didn't, cause they knew they're going to play Florida this week and they didn't have to be sharp next week. Cause they're going to want to be sharp this week and they're going to look good against the Gators. And, you know, um, you know, I just, Florida's not there yet. You know, I think they're still they're still in progress uh, building that program under Billy Napier. Um, hopefully, they'll give him time. But right now, this is a Tennessee Tennessee team that I think is a top ten team. The pollsters got him ranked eleventh. I got him in my top ten, um, and I think this is a team that can contend for the SEC East Championship. This is Georgia's only roadblock, I think, in its whole schedule. And so give me the volunteers plus the six and a half there. I think they're going to roll. Go Rocky Top, if you will. I know Clemson fans are like, what in the world are you saying, Will? But, I mean, I'm just saying. Um, it is what it is. Um, another game that I'm looking forward to watching, um, and this is going to be on ESPN. This is the game day game, all that stuff. Uh, Colorado State 0-1 um, hosting co- – excuse me, going to Colorado at 10 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. Woo! This is a late game, man. This is going to be we're going to we're going to be in the valley, and the Clemson game is going to be over before this is over. Um, this is crazy. Well, we hope so anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado getting to twenty, excuse me, minus twenty three um, in this one. What do you think on this one? This I can't believe this game's on prime time. Well, I, I are you trying to make a little joke there? Prime time. Oh, I didn't even think about that. No. Uh-huh. Coach but, Prime yeah. in primetime. I, I mean, seriously, it's, yeah. it's Colorado State is not a very good football team. This should be like – Colorado State should file a lawsuit because this is unfair to them that they have to – they get the college game day, all the uh, all this just uh, – it's literally just putting – I mean, as they should, it's putting Colorado on a pedestal at this point, and I think right. they go out there and deliver – a dominant performance against Colorado state. It's not fair to them that they have to wait all day to play this game and take on a Colorado team. That's just rolling. Yeah. Why not the next week when I think Colorado plays Oregon or something like that? Why yeah, dude, like, like, well, I think next week, obviously we talked about there's some big games on the docket yeah. and I, I, I think they wanted to go ahead and go, okay, we've got our in-state game. We can go there while we can and have our, Nice trip. Talk to Deion Sanders and talk to Travis Hunter. And, and they'll get that. a big win. Do that moment. That. Oh, yeah. Just just enjoy the moment before they go and see all the heavyweights next week. Well, again, I'm going with the favorites here. Colorado is uh, wow. getting uh, – excuse me. Colorado's favored by 23 points. Give me the 23 points. 
that that thing keeps rolling there with Prime, and they're going to roll. So uh, plus the twenty three there on Colorado, um, man. I just like it's, you know, finally in <laughs> this one. I'm definitely going to go. I went with the favorites in all this, and I'm definitely going with the favorites of this game. You got Georgia Tech at <laughs> Ole Miss, number 17, Ole Miss, 730 kickoff SEC Network. Ole Miss is a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you think? Do I even need to say it, Will? I know. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's – it's. Uh, if if we thought the game that we were just talking about it's not really fair to um, the latter, th- this is going to be the same case. And I, I think Ole Miss goes out there and rolls. Um, I'm sorry, Georgia Tech, but whoever put together your schedule does not like you. So Yeah, Georgia Tech, uh, they gave up 70 to Ole Miss last year in this game, I believe. I think this game they're going to give up 70 again or more. Yeah. I think Ole Miss, they're rolling right now with that offense, scored 70-something points in the first game, um, you know, 37 last week against Tulane. They're rolling. Tulane's a good football team. They went on the road and beat. I think this is a very good Ole Miss team. I had them ranked higher than most people in the preseason. This is why I think they can contend for the SEC West Championship. So um, this is a very good football team. So give me Ole Miss plus the 19 and a half. So, wow, all favorites for you this week. I went all favorites in wow. this one. I'm gonna tell you, it's it's crazy. You know, um, I knew, normally don't do that. I always pick. Sometimes I will pick an underdog, but in the games this week, it's everybody just kind of just went with the favorites. I just no more hopeless optimism from Will, folks. Yeah, so there's no Texas kind of game this week for me. Um, so that's not gonna happen. Um, so now we get into our extra point segment, and this will be uh, – excuse me, no, we're not that. <laughs> and there we go, extra point. Uh, you can ask us to leave us a question or comment, which a lot of you guys have done, and we do appreciate you doing that. Um, I know um, Scott Millsap was saying it'll be interesting once Colorado gets into Pac-12 play this year. Cameron, I agree with them. I kind of mm-hmm. still want to see what Colorado can do once it gets into conference play because they got to play Oregon – they got to play Oregon State. They got to play Southern Cal. The Pac-12 is loaded. I mean, they don't. Th- I don't think they play Washington. But man, Pac-12 is loaded. Mm-hmm. It, it's really impressive for a conference that's you know falling apart that they're having such a strong year. It's uh, it's bittersweet, but yeah, no, I think I think it'll be really interesting to watch as things develop for them. And is that game against USC? Is that in Southern Cal? Uh, I believe it is. It's on the road. Yeah, yeah. So so if you want to talk about another game that'll be on the game day conversation. If, if they keep rolling, yeah, you can go ahead and write that one down. But, yeah, I think it's it's really good for them, though. I, I think they've shown up. And obviously you talk about, oh, you got to get in front of the lights. And obviously you're playing a higher quality of opponent. But they know how to play in this environment and under this pressure. Because the moment Deion Sanders joined this program, all the attention came straight to them. And they've handled it with flying colors so far. Yeah, and I was asked on there, do the Buffaloes play um, Utah? So, you know, I don't know. So I'm going to check the schedule real fast, if you don't mind bearing with me. Live podcasting here. Um, We look at Colorado's schedule in – The final game of the season. Final game at Utah. So just to give you a little refresher of who they play, um, of course, this week they got Colorado State. They play at Oregon next week. Then they come home. They host Southern Cal, by the way. Um, they go to Arizona State. They host Stanford. They go to UCLA. Everybody's kind of forgot about the Bruins sitting out there, but they're ranked. They're playing good football under Chip Kelly. Um, Oregon, then they host Oregon State and DJ Uy Ungale and that power Oregon State team. They kind of play a different brand of football than the rest mm-hmm. of the Pac 12 does. 
Then you got Arizona at home. Then they go to Washington State, who, by the way, just pulled off a big upset last week against Wisconsin, and they're ranked and playing well. Forgot to mention them. And um, and then they go at Utah, who really kind of quietly is sitting there undefeated right now, um, but uh, seems like they're a pretty good football team too. Play as usual, play really good defense at Utah. So you know, there's there's some tough games there. You know, I can see them losing one, two. Three, four. I can see them losing five of those games. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that just sets up perfectly. I can't say enough that it's like genuinely hilarious with the the way the Pac-12 is going and the fact that this season is gonna can be as electric as it can be. But I think all those games are gonna be ones that people circle to watch every single week. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how Colorado handles these opportunities. And as you said, like Ending your season with Utah is I, I genuinely I'm genuinely going to say this I think that's a tougher challenge than Southern Cal when you take them on as a whole when you get mm-hmm. to that end of the season and Utah as we've seen in that winning pedigree I think that defense and what they present obviously Pac-12 is not known for other defense but Utah can go out there and, and and play defense and I think that that's what they can do against Colorado and it'll be interesting to see when those teams are reaching their peaks at the end of the year what kind of challenge the Utes will present. Now we got somebody on YouTube asked us about Clemson's two running back sets. Um, they believe that is Clemson's maybe best chance um, against uh, Florida State next week. I know Clemson's got Florida Atlantic this week, but hey, we're reporters. We don't. We can look ahead if we want to. Uh, I like that idea. I do think the two back set could be something Clemson can use their advantage. What do you think? You know, I definitely agree. And as, as we said, with we want to get Will Shipley on the field in those big moments, and I think it's. It, it's very difficult to try to balance these two running backs. Obviously we we're we're we can critique and say all these little things, but it's a lot harder when you're putting together these game plans and all these little details, but getting both of those guys opportunities with the football and opportunities to make linebackers, especially react to, to that grouping, I think is really difficult for opponents. And I think it makes it a lot easier on Cade clubbing, knowing he has those two guys next to him, whether, whether it be for blocking schemes or to go out there and catch a pass. And I think that's another thing. What was what was so odd is we finally seen Will Shipley have his first receiving touchdown this year. Can you believe that? He had 25 touchdowns his first two years, but he, this is the first year he gets a receiving one. But yeah. I think that speaks to what we've seen under Garrett Riley's offense. He wants to see more versatility out of these guys, and that starts with the running back position. It does. Um, talking about the, the offense and the versatility of this offense, um, we got one person to ask us on YouTube again. Um, did, and of course, I really that first game. Yeah, we saw some drops. We didn't see as many in the second game, but the, they wanted to know if the wide receiver should get some pine tar. Um, and and that, that's pretty funny. But you know, in all fairness, two things: have you re- have you ever touched those wide receivers' gloves? It feels like there's pine tar on them already. I mean, those things are sticky. That's why you see these guys doing these one hand grabs. That's why when you see Joey Galloway on um, college football wrap up show, whatever they call it. Um, you know, he's always saying, well, do it without the glove and I'll be more impressed. Right. So, and I'm with Joey Galloway on that. It's more impressive without the glove than with the glove, because with the glove, you know, it's pretty sticky. It's easier for them to make those kinds of, not that it's still not impressive, not that it's still not hard, but you know, these things, but going back to my original point, 
I don't remember any drops this week. Were there? There's one. Bo Collins. Uh, there was on the a, first... yeah. There, there was one early, there and was that was one it. Early. Right. The rest mm-hmm. of the time there was no more drops. I thought yeah. they did pretty good overall as wide receiver. Dropped four in the first game. Went to one in the last game. So if they can kind of keep that at a minimum, I think it gives Clemson a better chance as well. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So, um, so that's about it, uh, guys. We appreciate you joining us on Believing Clemson Football. Uh, like I mentioned, LeVon wasn't here this week. So Cameron filled in. Cameron, I appreciate you filling in for us, buddy, and and helping us out. Um, uh, Cameron, you can read his stuff at the Clemson Insider, as he always does a good job uh, not only doing regular stuff with the beat and everything, but also doing the recruiting too. And and so, man, we appreciate you filling in for LeVon, who he, again, sorry that he had to miss, but you know he had to get some things taken care of and he just wasn't going to be able to make it in time, and I totally understand that. So, Cameron, we appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Obviously, um, even though it was on short notice, I'm really glad I was able to get on here and talk football with you for over an hour. No, it's been a lot of fun and excited to keep covering the Clemson Tigers as we get through this season and beyond. Yeah, man, well, I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you guys watching us. Again, if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe um, to our uh, Clemson Insider account. And just let us know, leave a comment, let us know what you think about this video and any other thing that we're doing at the Clemson Insider. We appreciate it. Uh, on Facebook, you can do the same thing. We appreciate you guys there as well. You can find us on uh, also on Twitter at Clemson Insider and at my account um, at Steeler Wheels. So for Cameron Burnett, I'm Will Vandervoort. We'll talk to you next time on Believe in Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.